Hey, uh, today we're in part two of a series that we're calling No Offense, and last week we talked about lowering our expectations of people. If we want to, if we want to live unoffended, if we want to be unoffendable type people, then we just one of the things that we need to do is to lower our expectations of people. That we raise our gratitude for God's grace, we lower our expectations for people. And I just want to ask, how many of you this week have found yourself? Um, somewhere, like, you're getting ready just to, like, somebody did something to you, and you think, I need to lower my expectations. And then, like, it didn't work. Like, you were still fired up, right? Like, anybody do it? It's a work in progress, okay? And so let me just uh, reiterate, lower your expectations of people. Um, It will get better. But today, I want to talk about those people. Those people. Now, when I say that phrase, those people... Raise your hand if you immediately think you know who I'm talking about. Like, go ahead. You can, you can be honest about it. Because honestly, if you don't know who I'm talking about when I'm talking about those people, it's probably you. Uh, but, but it's okay to raise your hand. Don't, don't stare at them. Don't point at them because they're crazy and they're everywhere. And let me just tell you, those, pe- those people... They can be challenging. Those people are often critical. They can be controlling. They're incredibly arrogant at times. Those those people can be really, really mean. Those people, they know everything about everything. And they're going to tell everybody every chance they get. Now, how many of you know who I'm talking about when I say those people? Yeah, you see them spreading rumors at the office. There's almost one at every Big family gathering, and if you're thinking to yourself, who's the one in my family gathering? I don't know that there's one. It's you, okay? Um, so, so that's what we want to do today. We want to talk about those people. And specifically, we want to talk about how we deal with those people in a way that honors them, but also shows them the love of Christ. Because as followers of Jesus, we know that that's what we're called to do. We're called to love. We're called to love everybody, and we're called to even love those people. And admittedly, some of those people are a little more difficult to love today than ever before. Um, I have a friend who who would refer to those people as ERG people. They are uh, EGR, let me get that right, EGR, extra grace required people. That you just, you got to have a little bit of extra grace when you deal with those people. And and it's possible to love them, um, but sometimes it's difficult to love them. I wanted to do this sermon a little bit closer to Halloween and call it how to deal with vampires. How you deal with people that just suck the life right out of you. Because that's what those people do, right? So how do you do that? How do you deal with those people? How do you love those people? Because if you're like me, you find yourself easily frustrated or often angry or even offended, then I want to let the words of the Apostle Paul speak to you today from Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what he says in Ephesians 4, starting at verse 26, and we're going to read through a, a few verses and then we'll come back and kind of pick it apart this is what paul said he said in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you're while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen get rid of all bitterness rage anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice scripture it would go on to say Uh, That we should be kind and compassionate and forgiving and and loving each other just as Christ has forgiven us. Now, let's start start at the top of this text and kind of work our way through it. Because Paul says this, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't sin, don't don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a, a foothold. 
Now, this verse, it's, it's power-packed. And if you think about what this verse is saying, it starts by saying, in your anger do not sin, which implies that being angry is not a sin, right? In your anger do not sin. So you can be angry and not sin. And that, honestly, I'm going to say that's probably a good thing for most of us because there's a really good chance that we're going to be angry at times. Uh, there, there's a chance that you're going to get angry or offended today. Maybe even before you leave here, you may not even get out of the parking lot without somebody cutting you off and telling you you're number one. I hope not. Please don't tell anybody they're number one with a certain finger in our parking lot, okay? Don't do that as you leave today. But chances are somewhere, some way today, you're going to be offended. And if it's not here, then you're going to go home and you're going to turn on TV and you're going to see something in the news that's going to offend you. You're going to get onto social media and you're going to read something or, or see a post and it's going to offend you. And here's what I, I try to remind myself over and over and over again, that there, there's just simply no win in being offended. There, there's no win, there's no victory. I've never found my life to become more joyful when I'm ticked off about something. Like, I've, I've never, uh, my marriage has never gotten better because I was angry at some injustice in the world, right? I, I've never gotten closer to God when I was angry. I've never had a more intimate conversation when uh, when I've just walked around with all this unforgiveness uh, towards someone uh, who hurt me in my life. I, I, it's never happened. There, there's just no victory. There's no win in being offended. And so I need to remember that there is no win in there. And so what am I going to do? Well, how do we deal with that? If, if there's no win in being offended, how do, we, how do we deal with that? Well, here's what I've been telling myself lately. Being offended is inevitable. You are going to be offended. It's inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Being offended is going to happen. I'll probably offend you. I might do that today. Someone else is going to offend you. Again, you might not get out of the parking lot without somebody offending you. But being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But you get to choose how you're going to respond to that offense. And so perhaps that's one of the reasons why I think the Apostle Paul is, is telling us that you got to be really, really careful if you hold on to that anger, and if you're always nurturing an offense, and if you're always rehearsing the hurts, and, and you're, what you're actually doing, Paul says, is that you're giving the devil a, a foothold. You're, you're giving Satan what, what Scripture calls a foothold in your life. Now, I, I, I looked that word up and did a little bit of research on that word uh, this week, because I always thought of foothold as like, you know, when you're walking into a room and you, you open the door, like you use your foot to kind of prop the door open. You're just giving yourself a little bit of space, right? That's a foothold. Or if you're rock climbing, um, it, it might be like the little place, the little crevice in the rock where you put your foot. That's a foothold. Or on the, the fake rock walls that they have, the, the plastic pegs, that, that's a foothold, right? But, but the word in Greek is, is a little bit different. The, the word in Greek is the word topos. And it literally means a place or room. In other words, if you go on and, and you live in your anger, you're giving the devil a place in your heart. You're giving him room to work in your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil any access to anything that matters to me. I don't, I don't want to give the, in my anger or in my offense uh, or my sense that this is wrong in the world. I don't want to give Satan access to, to my marriage because of that. I don't want to give Satan access to, to my kids, anything that's close to me. I don't want to give him access to, to my friends and, and the ability to attack them or, or, or even divide us. I don't want to give Satan the ability to, to attack our, our church. I, I don't want to give Satan any kind of foothold. I don't want to give him any kind of room to work. 
And if I live in anger, if I harbor that bitterness, if I live easily offended, Scripture says that you're giving the spiritual enemy access to your life. You're giving him room to work. You're giving him a place to work. And so I got to thinking, if I were the enemy, if, 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 what, would the, what would our spiritual enemy try to do to attack us? If, if you know, Scripture says that, there, that Satan and the demons, they actually have plans that scheme against us. Like they, that, that's their goal is, is to steal, kill, and destroy, and, and they come up with plans to do that. And so I got to thinking, you know, what would I do if, you know, if I were just in a brainstorm meeting in hell? What, how would I go about uh, attacking God's people? If my goal was to hurt God, to hurt the heart of God and, and to hurt God's people, what would I try to do? And so I came up with what I, what I think is like the three D's of destruction. If, if I were a demon and I were trying to scheme against God, I would try to divide. I would try to divide families and friends and churches. I would bring as much division in, into their lives as, as, as fathomable. And, and honestly, I think if, if I were a demon, it would be much easier to do right now than at any other time before. I mean, really, if you want to divide people, all you got to do is start talking politics, right? Or all you got to start, you know, th- throw in, throw in so, some, some racial division. Or, or just talk about something that's misunderstood. Or, or just have a very toxic opinion about something. You, you might throw in some vaccine stuff or something like that. That's sure to divide people, right? And if you did that, you could actually destroy friendships. You could have family members that stop talking to each other. In fact, I know family members that have stopped talking to each other because of some of those very same issues. You could ruin marriages. You could split churches. If I were a demon, that's what I think I would try to do. I would try to divide Christians. Because when Christians are united, they're unstoppable. The church, when it's united, is an unstoppable force that has never, like, of the likes that have never been seen before. But when they're divided, it's weak and ineffective. And so I would try to divide the body of Christ. Second thing I would do is I, I would just try to distract Christians from, from their mission. I would try to distract them. I, I just get them to arguing about anything and, and anything in culture, and, and most of it wouldn't even matter. It wouldn't be anything, you know. I'd get them to boycott some business, uh, to boycott some toothpaste because of that company's uh, who, who they send money to or whatever. You know, get them to argue about some Netflix series that just came on, and and get them then to complain about all the other people who aren't uh, as upset about the thing that they're upset about. Right? Like you just get them distracted. And if you couldn't do that, if you couldn't get just the normal stuff to do it, then use Instagram or Facebook and that kind of stuff. You know, just get them comparing themselves with everybody else and arguing over senseless stuff. And, and you know, get them sending conspiracy videos to everybody. Anybody else have that guy in your group that just sends conspiracy videos all the time? I've got a buddy who sent me a conspiracy video about China and they're, they're developing superhuman soldiers. And I don't know where you fall on any of this, and honestly, I don't care, okay? But he sent me this, this video, and I watched it. It was like 14 minutes long, and I, and I watched it, and it was about how they were freezing people and then coming back and making them into these superhuman soldiers. And I just texted him back and said, you realize, like, that's the plot of Captain America, right? Like, you realize that this video is really just the plot of Captain America. Quit watching the Avengers before you go to bed, and this stuff won't bother you. But like he, he did. He sends me that stuff. So I would try to divide and distract. And then I'd just try to discredit their witness. And this would be, I think, relatively easy to do. I mean, just get them focusing on what they're against. Because isn't that what the church is known for? Like Everybody knows what the church is against. Which is really a shame. 
that nobody really knows what the church is for. Like, we're for a lot of things, but nobody knows that. They all know what we're against. And so I'd get them arguing about that stuff, and just the goal would just be to, to keep them angry and critical and judgmental and, and, and self-centered and self-righteous and easily offended and ticked off at the entire world. I, that's what I would do. And, and when I look at that strategy, and when I look at what I see in the world, I think that the forces of darkness are active and, and they're using anger to discredit and weaken the body of Christ. If I were a demon, I tried to divide and distract and, and discredit. And we see that happening all the time out there in the world, right? We see it happening all the time. But we actually see it not just happening out there. We see it happening close to home, right? We see it happening in the church and, and the body of Christ. And we see some of the people that should be some of the most loving and incredibly kind people in the world, right? And yet, they're incredibly mean and harsh in ways that hurt so many people. And I'm just telling you, if you've ever been hurt by the church, number one, I'm sorry. If you've ever been hurt by people in the church, I'm sorry. Because there is no hurt like church hurt. There is no hurt like being hurt by somebody that, that you thought would be different than the rest of the world. And yet that's exactly what we see happen all the time. And I think that's why there's a part of this verse that I don't want you to miss. Because Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, he tells us to not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the day come to an end while you're still harboring an offense against someone. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, this verse implies something powerful. That the day that you are hurt should also be the day of your healing. At least the beginning of it anyway. The, the same day that someone offends you should be the very same day that as a follower of Jesus, you're working to bring reconciliation into that relationship. And I'll just be honest, this is a principle that has worked really well in in mine and Christy's marriage. And I give Christy all the credit in the world for this because she said early on in our marriage, hey, we're, we're not going to go to sleep mad ever. Ever. Now notice I didn't say that we would never go to bed mad. Because I go to bed mad a lot, but she doesn't let me sleep. It's like, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're going to work this out. And honestly, that kind of sometimes just makes me even madder. I'm just like, just let me, let me go to sleep and we'll deal with this tomorrow. And she's just like, no, we're not doing it. We're going to work this out right now. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because you don't want to give the devil access to, to divide or distract or discredit you from, from being who God is calling you to be and, and who God asks us to be. Let's go on in verse 29. Scripture says this. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Now, again, we talked about this specific verse just a couple of weeks ago. And in the time that we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, let me ask a very um, poignant question that you don't have to answer out loud. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That means no belittling, no bad-mouthing, no criticizing, no gossiping, no name-calling. You know, neither, you know, can't call people a bunch of idiots. Don't let anything come out of your mouth except for what is helpful to build others up, to encourage, to be a blessing. How are you doing with that? Let me give you a couple of rules that, we, that, that I try to live by um, that Christy and I use in, in our relationship that I think might be helpful for, for you as well and, and to, to kind of avoid letting the wrong things come out. And I'll, I'll just be honest about this. We don't always succeed in this, okay? This is, this is the goal, but this, it doesn't always happen. And the first one is this, is that we're never going to call names. 
Like, if you don't want to, if you don't want to destroy a relationship, you don't want any unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth, don't call names. Because there's no reason, there's no excuse to dishonor and deter anybody by calling down names on them. Another suggestion I would use uh, or uh, give is to not, never raise your voice. And I'll be honest, this one's the one that's really hard for me. Um, when I get excited, whether I'm uh, mad about something or, or just excited in general about something, my voice tends to go up about an octave. And so we'll be, Christian, I'll be having a conversation. I'll, I'll use that phrase. We'll, we'll be having a conversation and I get excited and she'll say, why are you yelling at me? Or why are you raising your voice? Stop. And I'm like, I'm not raising, and I'm like, I'm not raising my voice. And she's like, yes, you are. Just calm down. You ever try to, it works when women tell men to calm down. Men, you ever try to tell your wife to calm down? Yeah, don't. It doesn't work out too well. And let's be honest about this raising your voice thing. No one has ever been changed by someone who was yelling at them, right? Your mind has never changed. Your opinion has never changed about something because somebody yelled at you about it. People are changed when we're loving in, in our voice. And, and it works the same way in our communications, in, in print communication. If you text, and you text all caps, I read that as you're yelling at me. So don't text me all caps, because I think you're yelling at me. Um, Lowercase is loving, all right? All caps send you to hell. That's just, you need to know that. Um, the next suggestion I would give is this. Never get historical. Not hysterical, although don't do that either. But never get historical. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we're not going to go back in time and say, hey, well, you remember what you did on this day, right? You remember you did this and you did that. We're not going to pull back everybody's past sins, their past transgressions. We're over that. We forgave them for that. And so we're going to move on from that. So don't get historical. Never, never say things like never or you always do this or you never do that. Uh, it's just not true. And it's not helpful. Here's how I would summarize these, these three tips on, on relationships. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only which is helpful for building others up, speaking directly in, into their needs. Now, if you're like me and you find yourself angry, I'm tempted to justify my anger. I'm tempted to defend it. And, and I would say, say things like this, well, well they hurt me, and, and so they're wrong and I'm right. Or, or, or they betrayed me, so they're wrong and, and I'm right. And, and I would say, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, my, my anger is a righteous anger. And, and, and we've all done that before, right? And, and you could probably argue that there's a time to be righteously angry. But let's unpack that for a minute and ask ourselves a little bit about that. It, do we really want to stick with the, the righteous anger metaphor for a moment? Because is there any other destructive force? And anger is a destructive force. Anger, anger is, is rage. Anger is like a fire. It's destructive. Is there any other destructive force or destructive sin that we like to call righteous? I mean, think about that for a minute. I mean, think about all the other sins. Does anybody ever brag about their righteous greed? Oh, I've just got, I've just got this righteous greed more and more and more and more for me. Uh, and it, it's just all this righteous greed that God gave me. No, they don't do that, right? Has anybody, anybody ever talked about, you know, oh, I'm just battling this righteous lust? I mean, it's, it's just righteous lust. I mean, God made me this way. It, it's, it's, it's somebody, nobody would do that, right? You ever heard anybody say, yeah, I've, I've just, I'm going to eat all of this in, in the name of my righteous gluttony. I'm just going to eat, eat and eat and eat, right? No, we don't do that. We, we don't attribute righteousness to any other destructive force. So why do we try and do it with our anger? Why do we justify it that way? At some point, we've got to make a, a decision for ourselves and determine what we're going to do with our anger. And Paul tells us in verse 31 what we should do with it. He says this, he says, get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, get rid of all anger, 
all brawling and slander. It's almost like Paul saying, like, I'm going to name everything I can just to get through to you that you need to get rid of all of this garbage in your life. If you're going to try and give me a loophole, I'm going to cover all of those loopholes up. I'm going to fill them with everything else. And if I left anything else, oh, and every other form of malice. That's, that's what Paul says. But then in verse 32, after he says this, get rid of all bitterness, of all rage, of all anger, of all malice. Verse 32, he says something profound. And before I read you what he said in verse 32, let me tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't say be arrogant about your moral superiority. He doesn't say be critical of everyone who thinks differently from you. He doesn't say uh, be harsh because you're dealing with idiots. No, he doesn't say that. Although that's what we want to do sometimes, isn't it? Here's what Paul says. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Let, let that sink in for just a minute. What are we to be? We're to get rid of anger and slander and malice. And instead of having those emotions, we should be kind and compassionate and forgiving. Question. Where can you be kind, compassionate, and forgiving? Think about that for just a second. Because the answer is you actually have to be up close. It's almost impossible to be way far off and be kind. Hey, I'm going to be kind to you from way over here. You're way over there, and I'm going to be kind from you from way over here, right? It's hard to do. Like, I can have compassion for you. I feel for you, but you're, it's really hard to do if, if you're way over there and I'm way over here. I, I forgive you, but I don't want to be close to you, right? You, you have to, to be close in proximity. And one of the challenges that I see in the church today, just the church at large, is it's really easy to shout truth from a distance. It's easy to shout truth from, from our safety nets, from, from our distance, and you know, hey, here's where you're wrong, and here's where I'm right, and, and I'm, I want to make a difference, so I'm just going to shout truth from a distance, right? But it takes time to live up close. It's incredibly ineffective to shout and to be angry from a distance. But it's incredibly effective to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger. It's incredibly effective to, to, to get into someone else's world and to understand their hurts and their fears and to have compassion for them, even if they have a different way of thinking than you do. Even if they think differently than you do. How many times can we not get past that? Somebody disagrees with us about, about just an opinion. They have a different thought than us, and so we just write them off. We, we push them to the side like they don't matter. No, no, no. We, we are called to be kind and compassionate and forgiving to even those people we disagree with. Listen, when, when was the last time you just listened to somebody who was incredibly different from you, and you just loved them? Even though they thought differently than you, you were just kind and compassionate to them. Because again, it's easy to hurl truth from a distance, but it takes time and it takes work and it takes effort to love somebody up close. I have a friend uh, who, he's one of those people. I mean, he is one of those people. This guy, he is always right. I mean, about everything. He, he's right about everything. He's right about how church should be done. He's, he's right about his theology. Uh, he's right about what all the other churches are doing wrong, including me. He, he knows how everybody should spend their money. He knows how everybody should raise their kids. He, he's, right about, he's right about everything. He, he's, when COVID was going on, he was right about that. He was 
and all his sources are right, right? So, like, he's always right. And some of you are thinking, wow, we must have the same friends. You know him too, don't you? But he's right about everything. And finally, one day, he was telling me how right he was, and I just said, you know, I am so amazed that I can't believe I get to be friends with you. Like, like out of the almost 8 billion people in the world, like, you're the smartest guy that's ever lived. You're always right about everything. And I know some of you are thinking, like, if he hears this, he's going to be offended. No, he won't. Because he, he, he'll, he'll hear this and he'll think, oh, that's poor other idiot that Adam's talking about. Right? He, he's, he's just one of those people. But then it dawned on me. What if I'm one of those people? What if I'm one of those people too? Because uh, just to be honest, like, I think I know a lot about a lot. I'm the guy with the microphone up here this morning telling you how you should live your life, right? What if I am one of those people? And what if you are too? Because I can guarantee you there's a little bit of self-righteousness in all of us. And so that's why I think it's incredibly important for us to pray a really dangerous prayer. It's really a humbling and really God-honoring prayer. It's found in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And I would just dare you to pray this this week. You know, um, when you're getting ready to go to bed at night, when you're getting up in the morning to start your day, I would dare you to pray this prayer. Here's what Psalm 139 says. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. And then this is the part that really gets me. It says, God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, search my heart. God, show me where I'm arrogant and show me where I'm proud and show me where I'm judgmental and show me where I'm self-deceived and, and God, show me where I'm harboring anger against a group of people or an, against an individual. God, show me when I'm carrying offense. Show me where I'm not being kind and compassionate and, and forgiving where I should be. God, help me get rid of all the anger and all the malice and all the slander. Again, help me to be kind and compassionate because I don't want to give the devil any access to my heart. I don't want to give Satan any access to, to anything in my life, to, to my marriage, to my children. To, to my friends, to my church. So God, search my heart. Because when you live in anger, you give the devil a place. You give the devil a room. You give the devil a foothold. And your spiritual enemy, he wants to divide and distract and, and discredit and destroy. And so what I found is this. Is that being offended is inevitable. You're going to be offended. But because of the grace and the goodness of God, we sang about it just a few minutes ago, the goodness of God, living offended is a choice. You don't have to live offended. And in the same way that I've been forgiven, I want to be forgiving. I want to choose to be more forgiving. Because I don't know about you, but my life has never been better when I'm angry. I've never been more loving when I'm easily offended. And what I've noticed this is that every single minute that I'm angry, is a, minute that I, is a minute of joy that I lose. And every single minute that I'm angry is a, is, a, is a minute of peace that I lose. And every single minute that I'm angry, I lose a minute where I could, could be making a difference in the life of someone else. And that's why I know being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. But living offended is a choice. You don't have to live offended. Scripture tells us, hey, if, if, if you do get angry, and you're going to, don't go to bed. Let's take it before God. Let's deal with it. Because we don't want to give the devil any room. We don't want to give him any access, any footholds in our lives. And as followers of Jesus, we have a higher calling. We're not just going to shout truth from a distance. But we're going to get up into the lives of people. 
We're going to hurt with them. We're going we're gonna to work through some things with them. When they walk through valleys, we're going to walk through valleys with them. And you know how we're going to do it? By being kind and compassionate and forgiving. Just as Jesus forgave us. And if we can do that, if we can do that, we, keep, we can keep Satan out. We can keep the, the Spirit in, uh, the, the Holy Spirit in. We can keep Satan out. We can make a difference. And, and let me just tell you, a divided world needs a united church, right? A dark world needs, needs the light of the world. It needs people to, to not hide their light. What's your favorite song, Mike? What's your favorite song? This little light of mine, right? The, the, the world needs to see our light, not for us to cover it up. So we're not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. But only with that which is helpful for building others up. Because we're not here to make a point. We're here to make a difference. We're not here to win an argument. We're here to win people to the saving grace of Christ. And we can do that if we will lead with love. We'll be unoffendable people. We will be kind and compassionate and forgiving people. Because that's who Christ has called us to be. Let me pray for us.